And now a message from Discover about rewards. If you're a loyal credit card customer, you should be rewarded for your loyalty, preferably with something that's useful, like cashback match, for instance. Discover matches all the cashback you've earned at the end of your first year. Finally, rewards that make sense. Discover, exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Welcome back to Talking Niners. I am Bay Kobe, and joining me today, I've got Javi from the Fourth and Gold podcast, and I have Jordan at Slash Cousin from the 49th Hour podcast. Boys, how are you guys doing today? Happy New Year. Chilling, chilling. How are you doing? I'm good, man. Also, yeah, Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, 2021 is here. Hope you guys' years have started off um, pretty well. Hopefully, it's an uh, improvement over what happened last year because, geez, we all know how bad last year was. But, uh, Jordan, how are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. You know, new year, fresh start, hopefully. I thought the same thing last year, so I'm not going to jinx it. I was going to say it can't really get worse, but I'm also not going to jinx that. So, yeah, the just, bar uh, is low. hope it's, it's all uh, downhill from, or uphill, but like, you know, coasting downhill from here. We have a yeah, I got you. nice stretch in 2021. New year, new me vibes, you know? Yeah, exactly. Feels great, baby. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so week 17, 49ers Seahawks. This uh, nice. game. It's not going to be what the NFL uh, scheduled it to be because of last year's season. Obviously, the Niners got derailed by injuries a bunch, so that's kind of not really on them too much. But nonetheless, the game has to be played. Um, the Seahawks still have the number one seed to play for, so they have a lot to play for. The Niners really do not. They will be without uh, Brandon Ayuk, Trent Williams, Drake Greenlaw, Richard Sherman, Javon Kinlaw, Kwan Williams, Robbie Gold, and Taper Pepper. Uh, not to mention Debo's you know, been out for the year. He's out for you already and all that, so. Niners are missing a bunch of uh, starting players, and they also have C.J. Beathard still starting the quarterback. And the Seahawks, uh, their one weakness, you know, the start of the season was their defense. But in the past, well, since week nine, they've only allowed more than 21 points. Uh, they've only allowed 21 points once, and they've only been allowing 14 points per game over their last seven. So the defense isn't as vulnerable as it used to be. It is much better. So with that being said, I mean, talking about the game doesn't really do much. The only thing that can come out of this game that we really care about is what pick the Niners end up with, and that's really all we care about, you know, for the result of this game. So this, with that being said, just what do, what is it you guys want to see from the Niners um, on Sunday when they play the Seahawks? I start with you, Javi. Um, you want to go first yeah, off here? Yeah, I got it. Um, you know, last week was like a culture win. Like, hey, look, we're still alive. We're going to fight tooth and nail regardless of the circumstances and everything stacked up against us. You know, you lose Nick Mullins to the UCL tear. He has to have Tommy John surgery. Now you got to bring in C.J. Bethard, your third quarterback. You know, you're you're on – you're not even just playing with starters anymore. You're playing with backups to backups and to their backups, and that's kind of how far this team has fallen. Uh, what I want to see on Sunday – I mean, I, w- I would hope to keep it competitive. I mean, maybe we see a little bit of Josh Rosen. You know, if you're seeing Josh Rosen, it's probably out of hand. Uh, but, you know, just some competitive nature uh, out of this team. Um, the offensive line is, is shot now. No Trent Williams, so now you're likely putting Justin School back out there, who didn't look well at all when he played against the Packers. Um, Carlos Dunlap's having a really good season ever since he moved over from Cincinnati to Seattle. Um, in the back end, maybe some more Tavares Moore. We'll see what we can get out of Jimmy Ward this week, see what they can do. It's, it's just the, the, the odds are stacked against this team. You know, they're gonna they're not going to go out without a fight. Kyle Shannon is – is smart enough to have a, a decent game plan in place. Um, I think Jeff Wilson will be fine. I think the running game will be fine. 
Uh, my issue really just becomes a passing game, and, and and if you're having if you're forced to pass, which I think we're going to be forced to pass, that's where we're going to get into trouble. Um, so you know maybe see a little bit more from Brunskill, looking at him as a potential center of the future. Uh, you're looking at what you got in Justin School as a left tackle or a swing tackle going forward for next year. Uh, what do you get out of Colt McKivitz at right guard? You're going to have to take a look at that. Um, Kendrick Bourne, he's up for a new contract. He's going to be wide receiver one this week, apparently. So you got to see what he's able to do. I mean, we all know what he's what he's going to do or what he can do, but it's just another opportunity for him to say, hey, look, I want to be here. You know, what what can they do for a contract with him? Um, this, it's just and this season just went to shit week two, and it just it sucks to having have this conversation week seventeen. I think everyone in this room um, expected week seventeen to be for the division, and it's not. So the Niners are either picking ninth or fifteenth right now based on this game and, of course, a couple other games uh, on Sunday. Yeah, um, like you said, I want the team to be competitive for sure. We want to see them fight, not give up, which I'm sure they will. They have been doing it since, you know, well, all season really. And I also want them to come out of this game as healthy as possible. We know Kittle's still going to be playing. We don't want to see him end up with another injury that could, you know, you know, hinder him in the offseason, maybe cause him to miss the start of the 2021 season. And also, like you said, I want to see a couple of guys who don't normally uh, play step up, want to see what these receivers can do um, with, obviously, Ayuk and Debo out. I uh, want to see what Jordan Reed can do. Obviously, I think Matthew likes throwing to his running backs and tight ends more than he does to his receivers. Yeah. So, um, George Kittle and Jordan Reed should get a lot of targets in this game. But also, the, the, you know, the focus will be on the run game for the most part. Hopefully, Jeff Wilson can show that he can continue to be a, a, dom- a dominant force in the run game, which I think he will be. I think him and uh, Mostert make a pretty good one-two punch um, going into next year if they choose to keep, you know, uh, Wilson along. So, I mean, yeah, not a whole lot. I mean, just really trying to get the season over with. This is the last game. Whatever happens in this game doesn't really matter. Whether they win, you know, cool. It'd be Seattle. Probably not likely. Um, if they lose, they will probably have a chance to get higher draft position. So, yeah, just coming out of this game healthy and just being competitive is really all I'm looking for. And seeing which people, you know, which guys who don't normally play can can step up seeing some guys who have been good this season, maybe they can they can continue to be good, continue to flash. Um, that's really it from from this game. Other than that, it's the last game of the season. This injury derailed season that's been a disappointment for I'm sure every Niner fan involved. Um it is almost over and then we can start to look towards the future, start to look towards the off season, towards the draft, which I'm sure mm-hmm. most of us have all have already started doing. And then the season will be over with. So that's what I'm looking for. Jordan, what you got? I'm looking for how uh, Kyle Shanahan is going to attack the Seahawks on early downs. Uh, we owe the 49ers. If they have their way, they're going to run the ball. Arizona's porous against the run, which is why the 49ers ran all over them last week. Seattle actually, uh, despite the fact that there is the narrative, you know, I was all pushing it. They had, they had a bad their secondary was and how bad the pass defense was. They've actually been respectable and among the top half of the league against uh, the run this entire season. And they are much better now going into uh, the later stages of the season. Uh, but the thing that stands out to me about Seattle's defense is that teams are throwing against them on early downs, on first and second down. They have a substantial lead in terms of uh, early down pass rate against as a defense. So that basically means that teams are recognizing their weakness is the secondary and are throwing far more often on early downs which traditionally hasn't been something that Kyle does at a high rate. He will mix it in here and there, but if you just look at the data, uh, he's, he's more inclined to run the ball early. Uh, as we know, that's kind of what their um, intentions are as an offense to build a play action and whatnot. 
Um, I'm really interested to see what he gets going because I can't fault the guy. I have no offense to C.J. Beathard. Having C.J. Beathard is a lot different than having a starting caliber quarterback attack this defense on early downs. So I'm not – and especially with the absence of Brandon Ayuk, um, that hurts a ton. Uh, I, uh, it, there's not really a receiver that's going to put fear into them. You know, Kittle is obviously Kittle. Um, but traditionally, you know, the Seahawks have actually done a fairly good job against George when you compare uh, his games against Seattle to what he's done in his career. Um, for, I don't want to say they haven't figured out, but I think they have enough uh, on that defense to stop him. So my biggest thing is what's Kyle going to do? Is he going to get creative? Is he going to, you know, pull out some – I don't say gimmicky stuff, but he's going to pull out some gadgets. He's going to run more fly sweeps and stuff like that because it's kind of hard. He doesn't really have the personnel to do it. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm just interested to see what the offensive genius has up his sleeve because it's going to be it's going to be this might be his they could lose and this could still be one of his more impressive more impressive performances based on the personnel and based on uh, the strengths and weaknesses of Seattle's defense. Yeah, that's the thing. They're so undermanned. Like you, you don't have any receivers. You got you got your two tight ends. How you know you're going to run fly sweeps with Richie James? I don't know. Um, you know, is it River Craycraft season? You know what I mean? Kevin White, is he going to play? Like, it's just, you know, I, I think I'm more tired of the Kyle Shanahan's a bad coach narrative. Like, you can't can't put this on Kyle that his team got hurt. Like, it's a miracle that they're 6-9 and nine right now because of Kyle Shanahan. Most of it is is because of Kyle. He's manufactured so much offense for all three of his quarterbacks who are all very limited, and somehow it's Kyle's fault? Nah, nah. I don't buy that. Yeah, that's one of my biggest takeaways from this season heading to the um the next point is that the fact that this team has been as competitive as they've been against um as they've been against some good teams this year, missing all the guys they've missed. And I think the coaching this year has proven that it's very good. That the Niners are, are set at head coach for sure. That's there should not be any questioning of Shanahan. Uh he's you know, him having so many guys in and out of the lineup every other week. I mean he had to coach a Thursday night game missing so many key players on on offense, you know, losing Debo the I think the week or two prior, not having Ayuk, not having Trent Williams, not having um, you know, George Kittle for that game and all that. He had to try to he had to throw out the River Craycraft and Richie James and with Nick Mullins, you know, no Trent Williams had to throw Justin School out there, left tackle, he got destroyed. They had to go against a you know very good Packer team just just overall this the entire season they have to play against, you know, good teams without all of their good players. So, I mean, just what Kyle and Salah have been able to do this season, you know, missing all the guys they've missed, I don't know why the fault, I mean, you know, ends up on them. I mean, Jason said on my my last show is that people want to blame somebody. And since so many good players are out, they can't blame, you know, the, those players. So they blame the coaching staff instead. But, I mean, yeah. sometimes it's just too much. Like, I think you said, like, some, you can't go with a next man up mentality when there's no next man up. When your next yeah. man is the third and fourth stringers, like at that point, it's just it's a lost cause. So the fact that the coaching staff gets gets questioned and gets blamed is, is just ridiculous and shouldn't shouldn't be happening. You know, not to like not to be critical of the fan base because the fan base is great. I think I think we have one of the smarter fan bases in in, in the National Football League. But there's there's times where just the emotion runs too high. Like I feel like I've changed my entire fandom the last four. I think I think my fandom changed the minute Harbaugh was fired. I got to start really understanding what this business is all about, what what's going on here. Um, you know, there's Kyle Shanahan. If he were to be let go, he would be hired within two minutes, like less than two minutes at the yes. next job. Um, and that's gonna tell you something. That tells you more about Kyle Shanahan than it does anything else. Uh, from what he's been able to get out of this offense, I think they're like ranked. I think they're in the middle of the middle of the road. You know, considering. Not having your twenty-seven, yeah, yeah, not having your twenty-seven million dollar quarterback playing all year. George Kittle missed eight games this season. You lose Raheem Mostert. You don't have Ayuk a couple games. He doesn't get to finish the year. Debo comes in with a broken foot. 
he didn't finish the season as well. The offensive line is in shambles on the right side. You know, McGlinchey's having a rough year. You you lose your center, you lose your guard. It just it doesn't make sense. So you're looking for a scapegoat at, at some point. At some point, maybe you just, just not blame anyone because the season is just a lost season. Um, but when it comes to Kyle Shanahan, I don't think he deserves an ounce of blame. I think the only thing you can probably put on him is that they didn't invest in the quarterback position this offseason. They didn't look at upgrading their backup room, uh, the backups to Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I think that's probably the only criticism that I would find to be fair. Hey, look, there was guys in this draft you could have went and got in the third or fourth round just to because we all know who Nick Mullins is. You know, I, I wasn't sold on the Twitter narrative and people out there screaming that Nick Mullins could beat Jimmy Garoppolo out for his position. No, it's not possible. It wasn't going to happen. And we all see we all saw CJ play those ten games. He was atrocious. Like that's I think that's the only fault I put on Kyle is hey you didn't address your backup quarterback situation. Because now you've had two seasons lost because Jimmy Garoppolo has been hurt. And that's that, to me, falls on Kyle and John. All right. Yeah, and so I, I think Holly makes her up. So, no, you're good. I was gonna say, <laughs> you have to make a really good point because it's, it's something that you, are, you have to be watching these games. And especially, it's always good. I always recommend it's always good to rewatch them if you have any, you know, things that stand out or things that, you know, you have questions about. Because, you know, I'm a big numbers guy. I love looking at data. I love the new age of analytics. I love EPA. I love all that stuff. But if you look at the 49ers' offensive efficiency, it has them in the bottom 10 teams in the league. And looking at that, you go, hey, you know, maybe Kyle Shanahan isn't as great as he's made out to be. But then when you actually turn the film on and you see that he's getting guys wide open and they're overthrowing receivers, they're missing blocking assignments, they're dropping catchable balls, this guy can't do everything. And that's why it's really good to kind of gauge your expectation and kind of um, diversify how you're evaluating a guy. Because when I look at the numbers, I go, you know, hey, Kyle's not really having a great year. And then when I look at the film, I'm like, this guy is making it work with people that honestly should be playing in the arena league. or play- No offense to the you know, playing in a, a lesser league than the NFL. They're professional football players, but they should be playing in a league that's lesser than the NFL. And I mean, that is no disrespect to the players. It's the unfortunate reality when you have injured reserve, you have uh, the COVID list, all these things filled up. You're going to get guys that are practice squad level players that really, in my opinion, aren't NFL caliber players. And Kyle's still getting them open. And that's got to be the most frustrating part. And I think it's very telling that the guy is kind of, you know, he's never been a, you know, solemn, quiet guy. But I haven't seen him get this frustrated in the four years that he's been here until this year. This year he's throwing clipboards in the air. He's throwing his arms in the air. Like, I think he's at his wit's end, and I can't really blame him. Uh, so I think if people really take the time to go back and they study the film and they see why the 49ers are in the position they're in statistically, it should paint a better picture as to why they are in that bottom 10 in the league. Because you could, just like we've talked about, you could only do so much with the players you have. But ultimately, I, I, I think this might be his most impressive coaching year yet, honestly. I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait to go back to that point. But it's 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 not easy to win in the NFL, but it's hell of a lot easier to have success when you have talent. The fact that he's put up a fight and he had the 49ers in the playoff conversation till about week 12, week 13 with the team he has, like, for me, the best game was that first Rams game. If you go back and you watch that first Rams game, they they had that basically that game, not honestly wrapped up. They're controlling the tempo the whole game. They went right down that first drive. You know, we all know how Kyle loves to script his plays, and he loves to go in there, and he has the first 15, 20 plays whatever scripted. That first drive, they come out and they punched him in the mouth, and they barely threw the ball downfield. They were running screens. They were running all these little, you know, quick passes, stuff behind the line of scrimmage. 
getting Debo involved, doing all these things. And, like, I think people just think it's easy to do because we sit there and watch. Like, that's not easy to do against an NFL defense that knows that your quarterback's hobbled, that they're not going to be able to throw over the top. Like, and he still was beating them. And I know New England isn't a playoff team this year, and they've fallen down from it. But if you go back and you watch that Patriots game, that was a hell of a play call, like, hell of a performance play calling. So I just Mm -hmm. hope people kind of take a – you know, take a second to digest. It's been a tough season, but if you go back, I, I highly recommend anybody who has Game Pass go back and watch those two games, and then even go back and watch Week One against Arizona when they didn't have the starting receivers. The quarterback play was pretty bad, and he was still like the play that stands out to me. One of my favorite plays of the season was that touchdown to Moster when it was three to zero in the first quarter. I'm sure we were. I was riding high. I was like, all right, Niners are back. Like you know, they're they're still yeah. they're still hanging in there this year. And he calls a choice route and he isolates Mostert on Isaiah Simmons who's, you know, highly touted rookie. He came in. He was supposed to be the guy that was going to shut down Kittle, that can play safety, can play linebacker. And Kyle made him look silly. And, I mean, no, no disrespect to Isaiah. He's a hell of a football player. I think he's going to be good. But that should show you how much not only genius this guy has, but he has guts. Like, he went right at him. And he's like, he threw the kitchen sink at this guy right off the bat. And, like, that's why yep. I'm, I'm very grateful we have Kyle because he understands those things. It's very easy to see weakness on tape, but it's very hard to do that week in and week out and consistently attack other teams. I don't say star players. He wouldn't really be a star yet. But Kyle is, Kyle's got brass balls, dude. Like that to me, like I want that in a head coach. Like that dude will go out there and he will attack a defense and he will make, he makes teams look silly, man. And that's the thing to me is that's so hard to do in college. It's a little bit easier. The NFL level, like the way that, like that there's defensive coordinators out there that are great for the most part. It's it's like, it's not fair, man. Like, it's really not fair. Kyle's out here just embarrassing other teams. I mean, to rant about it, but like, I, I hope people understand how much of an advantage and how lucky 49ers fans are to have this guy, not only as their head coach, but the guy that's designing and calling the plays for them. Right, right. And, you know, I mean, the Niners, I mean, they're set on offense, I think, for the most part, outside of <laughs> oh, we changed his name to Zach Wilson or Bus. Um, but the Niners are set on offense. They, they've got Ayuk. they got – I think they have a wide receiver 1A and 1B in, yeah. in Debo and Ayuk. There are two different receivers. Debo is the more physical um, receiver who is more dangerous on, you know, short and immediate routes. And Ayuk has the ability to distress the defense more so better than better than Debo can. But they have both, and I think they're both very good at what they do. And then you have – you've got Mostert and you've got Wilson, who I think – and we always said Wilson is what Shanahan wanted Coleman to be. Wilson is that. I think Wilson and Mostert offer a pretty good one-two punch going forward if that's what they want to go with. I'm cool with that. They've got George Kittle, obviously the best tight end in the league. Um, I don't think it's much of a debate. I think Travis Kelsey is more of a receiver anyway, just kind of a big oversized receiver. Kittle, Kittle is, over, as an overall tight end, he's the best in the league as far as blocking and the attention he gets on offense. And also as a receiver, he's getting better and better um, every year. Mm-hmm. I think he's made some catches this year that we don't normally see him make. Um, last year, I think he improved as a receiver this year, and he will probably improve again in the offseason. He's, he's that hard of a worker. So, yeah, the sky's the limit for Kittle, and he's, you know, he's already as good as he is now, and he can still get even better. The offense is set. The really, you know, the question becomes, you know, what do you do at quarterback? And we'll get into that probably later. But for the most part, outside of maybe interior offensive line, the offense is, is, is set. This team is good on, on offense. They got the talent they need. Uh, maybe maybe getting a slot receiver, too, a consistent slot receiver may help. A guy like a Cole Beasley or, you know, something like that would, would help this team. Probably someone who gets open consistently and is shifty. From the spot, a, a, a Trent Yeah, I'm down. But yeah, Trent Taylor <laughs> was supposed to be that guy. He uh, is not that guy. The, the injury to his foot last year, I think, ruined him. 
Um, he hasn't been the same since then. His most promising year was his rookie year when he was healthy. He hasn't been healthy since, and he doesn't look, doesn't look like the same receiver. But, you know, their offense is is pretty much set. And obviously they got 40 free agents. A lot of those are on defense. going to be a lot of turnover on defense. But I think they're bringing a lot of guys back. Um, if they cut a certain somebody, um, they will have more money to bring back some of those, some of those nice defensive pieces. But, I mean, now we'll see what happens in the offseason. But this team, this team is very good. There's, there's talent all over the place. This yeah. team is very good. If they can just get the right guy at, at that one position, that's very important in football. This team's a playoff team next year. And I'm sure you guys both agree with me there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the team's a playoff team, even if, even with Jimmy, if he's healthy. I think yeah. they're, you know, I'm, I'm not a, like, I'm, I'm out on Jimmy Garoppolo as like the franchise quarterback of this team, but if he's a guy that's going to be able to get you nine to 10 wins a year, I think he can do that. I think he's, good enough to get you to that that point. So you're kind of stuck in the Alex Smith conversation like when he was with the Chiefs. So that's kind of where you are with, with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, as far as the rest of this offense goes, I think, you know, wide receiver one is is George Kittle. Like he's going to be your primary target. Offense yeah. runs through him, period. I, I kind of want, want to kick back a little bit on my Brandon Ayuk take. I think, I think Debo Samuel has wide receiver one written all over him. It's just that we've lacked the quarterback to get him the ball downfield consistently. He is a little bit smaller than Brandon Ayuk, but we saw him go downfield last year in the, in the preseason. I don't know if anyone remembers him, Moss and the guy from yeah. the Cowboys. Yeah, uh, we saw him make some big plays down the field against Seattle uh, on Monday Night Football. Um, we saw the, the play that kind of made me kind of second-guess my Jimmy Garoppolo love was in the overtime game against Seattle where Debo beats – Shaquille Griffin. Shaquille Griffin's like a 4-3 guy, and he smokes him off the line. He's at least a yard in front of him, and Jimmy underthrows him. If Jimmy gives him an extra yard in front, that's the game's over because Debo, Debo is kind of – Debo's a really good route runner, and he, we can't see it enough because of our quarterback play. Uh, we don't have quarterbacks who consistently go throw outside the numbers or throw past 15 yards on a consistent basis, and that's a problem. Um, a lot of people like to point to, well, they didn't do that in certain spots with Kyle Shanahan. In other ways, Kyle wants to air that hoe out to, to, to shout out my boy Crocker, air it out. Like, that's what he wants to do. And he can't, but it goes back to the genius of Kyle Shanahan to get this offense to be manufactured the way he does. Um, this team, I think the team as constructed today, like like last week's game, if Jimmy Garoppolo played with that roster, that's a 9-10 win team. Like, I think Jimmy's decent enough to help you get nine to ten wins. He's not going to turn the ball over the way Nick Mullins did, like, for crying out loud. Like, those were atrocious turnovers. Um, You know, yeah, I mean, we'll see what they do in this offseason. I think cutting Jimmy Garoppolo is probably going to be the right decision to be made and allowing you to keep the free agents. But I I don't think – there's if you really go through that list, how many of those free agents do you really want back? Like, when you really go through it, you know – Jeff Wilson is a restricted free agent, so he'll come back on a tender. Uh, yeah. Emmanuel Mosley, restricted free agent, come back on a tender. Then you got to worry about K1 Williams, Jason Verrett, Gary Hyder. I think you can sign all three of those guys, but I think part of me thinks um, part of me thinks Hyder might go with wherever Salah goes. That might be part of it. Um, and then on offense, I think the only offensive free agent that anyone would really want back is Trent Williams. After that, most most teams have a 35 to 30, 30, 30 to 35% roster turnover anyways. So I, I think this team is fine. I, I think people are making too much of the free agent group. When you really dig through it, it's like, how many of these guys do you really want back? Akella Witherspoon? You know what I mean? Like, I, I wouldn't mind Akella Witherspoon back if he's going to play the way he's playing. Uh, but his thing is he lacks consistency, and we've had four years of it. So um, I think 
I think he I think to me I think I would like to have him back one more year, but I think the free agent the free agency list I think is a little bit overblown when you really dig into it. You know, Ben Garland, do you want him back? We always bitched about Ben Garland, a lot of people. You know, there's Hironis Grasso, do you want him back too? Like when you really dig through this list, it's really not that big of a deal. I mean, a lot of replaceable people on the on the roster. Exactly. A lot of people exactly. who can replace them with late uh, draft picks. Maybe get a couple guys here and there from free agency. They can fill the holes uh, with, with better value. So yeah, from that standpoint, it's only about like I said, maybe five or six guys who you really, really, really want to bring back. Other than that, you and you, kind of I, me, I don't know how I don't know how Jordan feels, but I'm bringing back Juice. But Charlie Warner can play fullback. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's there's position versatility all over this team. And they can do that. Like I, I think we did it on our, our show. We went through the free agent list, um, for the Niners, and it really, when you really dig in it, it's not, it's not as big as people want to make it. You know, you don't. I mean, obviously, you want to keep the team together. Um, you know, do you want to bring Ziggy Anza back? Tom Compton, Jet McKinnon, you know, yeah, Jordan Reed. We, we signed a lot of people. Dante we Johnson people because of injuries. So yeah, some people are just guys we brought in as like just kind of to fill a spot. And then we just let them go in the offseason. So yeah, that's that's a good point too, right there. Yeah, uh, I mean, Jordan add there. Or yeah, I mean, I would I would bring to me like the guys that you, you probably get back cheap. Marcel Harris, T.J. Jones, Emmanuel Mosey would be back cheap. Daniel Brunsky, you probably get him back cheap. Tabor Pepper, probably another cheap one. Um, Ross Dwelly, cheap. You got actually Ross Dwelly's a restricted free agent. Jeff Wilson restricted. Um, Nick Mullins restricted. You can get these guys back on a relatively cheap price. Um, you know, Dante Johnson will be here till the sun burns, you know, the sun explodes. <laughs> so, I mean, if you really go through this list, it's a lot of guys that you can get equal or maybe better production out of some of those guys. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. I think one guy I do, I do want to see back though, is Jordan Willis. I think Jordan Willis has had himself a nice, a nice season since he came to the Niners. I think, I think he's a guy you should bring back and see what you got. Yeah, so real quick, I'm 100% pop. I've been preaching this Willis thing for a couple of weeks now since, you know, he has not a crazy amount of opportunity, but production based on snap percentage, if you were to, you know, average it out over the length of the season that the most of, the majority of the guys on the team have had, he would be among the, the team's best. And I think that he's in a position where he can't really, you know, just like Javi said, like, this is a business. It's not, you know, as much as you root for guys to get paid and you want to see everybody happy, it's not like that. And when a team has leverage, they're far better off building a roster because they're going to have more money to allocate to other areas. And unfortunately for Jordan Willis, he has, you know, a great athletic profile. He was great coming out of Kansas State. A lot of people really liked his athletic, you know, potential. But what is his leverage here? He doesn't really have a crazy amount of leverage to force the Niners' hand into paying him a lot. So I think that Willis could come back and he could kind of fit not the not the same um, play style, but he could fit the same kind of production mold that Hyder had where he came in on a very cheap deal, very team-friendly, and has the ability where if he has a great season, it's tremendous value. And if he ends up not, you're not really losing out on much. You're not really sacrificing in other areas. Uh, and I think that he he's very good in that kind of – you know, it's going to be weird if they if they move on from solid. We don't know what exactly defense they're going to run, but if they do run the same kind of scheme, I think Willis can play that Leo uh, role. And I think that he has the speed to rush off the edge opposite of Bosa, allowing Kinlaw and Armstead to go inside. Uh, so I'm definitely on board with Willis, um, and I, I think Javi made another really good point, too, about roster turnover. There's so much roster turnover in the NFL. The 49ers are the only players that are losing team, are losing players. There's a lot of teams that are going to face, you know, financial decisions. You know, as much as, you know, people like to think just because these guys are billionaires and, you know, they have all this money, 
that money doesn't affect them. It does. And they're going to see a lot of teams cutting players that they normally wouldn't because of the lost revenue this season. You're going to see a lot of financial decisions you probably wouldn't see during a normal season. So if the 49ers were to lose some of their players, I think that they wouldn't have an issue replacing that depth. Because as Javi said, the only real piece that I'm worried about them losing is Trent Williams. Trent Williams is the only real impact player that would really, if they lost, I would be pretty devastated because it's just not somebody you can replace. I didn't think it was possible to replace Joe Staley, but I think that they did the best they could, and I was pleasantly surprised when I found out they were getting Trent Williams. But there isn't a Trent Williams to replace Trent Will. You know what I mean? Like, that was a very rare occurrence. Um, so I would be, I would expect them to be, you know, very active in that lower-tiered free agency where you do get guys on cheap one- to two-year deals. Um I, as for the Juice thing, you know, I, lo- I, I love what he does for the offense. My biggest thing about Juice is that when he's on the field, the defense doesn't know what's coming. It could be a, it could be a power run to the inside. It could be a uh, zone read to the outside. It could be running Wiley. They could be running some sort of, um, you know, play action. He can receive. He can block. He can do all these things. I just can't get behind paying a fullback $6 million a year. I think that when they signed him, the team was desperate to make a splash. They were desperate to get a proven player. Uh, they were trying to lure him away from a great organization in Baltimore, and they had the money to spend. So I'm t- I think he's earned every penny since he's been here. But going forward, I wouldn't feel comfortable paying him more than, you know, 3.7, 3.8. I believe Pat Ricard on the Ravens, ironically enough, who I believe is the second-best fullback in the league. Uh, he's around 3.5, if I recall correctly. I would have an issue if Juice got a little bit more. But I just that, – that people would be surprised. That $3 million goes a long way, and that difference in salary would make a huge difference. So if the money is right, I'm totally for it. But I just couldn't justify paying a fullback $6 million a year. So, you know, if he does ultimately end up going somewhere where they're willing to pay him, I wish him nothing but the best. You know, they, they, they always joke on the broadcast about how they always talk about how he went to Harvard. He's also an economics major. Like, the guy understands money. He understands business. He gets it. I don't think there would be any hard feelings if they weren't going to pay him. Um they do have a fullback who's been on the practice squad all year, who's probably more familiar with the playbook. Is he Kyle Juszczyk? Probably not. But is the difference in production for a guy making 600000 compared to $6 million that big of a difference? You know, that's where they really need to evaluate. Um, you know, I, I don't think that they're in a position where they need to really cut costs that drastically, but it would go a long way in retaining some of their guys because I don't think people – um, you know, I see so many talk about Trent Williams. I think people are remembering that, you know, Fred Warner's due up for next big payday. Fred Warner is mm-hmm. one of the main reasons that this defense has been, you know, the, we were talking about the offense earlier. The defense, the efficiency numbers for the defense are insane. They're a top five defense this year, and they lost Nick Bosa. They haven't had D Ford since week one. Sherman missed most of the year. Ward and Tart both missed games. And yet week in and week out, they're a top five defense. So I just think that they're at the point now where they need to prioritize uh, Williams and Warner. Those two guys need to get their money first and then just kind of figure everything else out later because as much as it's nice to have good depth, it's not impossible to find good depth. It's nearly impossible to find a Fred Warner to replace Fred Warner or a Fred Williams-level player to replace a Trent Williams. So take care of the starters. Take care of those guys. Um, I would like to see Jason Verrett back, but, again, it all depends on the scheme they end up running. Excuse me, if they're running – something that's more zone-oriented and they're not really running man as often, I would be okay with them, you know, kind of sticking with that. I, I hate to say because I don't want to round that Akella Witherspoon mold because Akella Witherspoon has great physical tools. He fits that cover three scheme. That's what we saw in Seattle for years when they had Sherman and they had Browner and they had Byron Maxwell and these guys. They want tall, long defenders who can cover a third of the field. I just, 
I would like to see a little bit of a change. Javi and I have talked at length. I want to see two, some more two high looks. I mm-hmm. don't like this cover one single high, and it's no disrespect to Jimmy Ward. Jimmy Ward's a phenomenal safety, but he's not Earl Thomas. And that system, really, if you go back and you look at it, the longevity of that system, the only time we've ever really seen long-term success is when Seattle had Earl Thomas. And Earl Thomas is a Hall of Famer. You know, I know people recency bias might make people forget how good he was. Earl Thomas was once-in-a-generation athlete. And the 49ers, unfortunately, don't have it. So if they shift to some more cover two looks, I'd be okay with them, uh, you know, bringing back a guy like Verrett to kind of maybe shadow the other teams, number one. Uh, but, again, it's for me, it's just the starters at this point. Like, take care of uh, of your player. Like, if I had to rank it one through three, it'd be Williams, uh, Warner, because I don't think Warner's as much of a pressing need because he does have one more year on his deal, but I'd like to see him compensated. And then Verrett would be three. Beyond that, it's nothing really stands out to me that I'm, you know, pounding the table that they need to take care of. Yeah, and a big part of like one thing people forget, people pay a lot of attention to a pay attention to a lot of names, um, and, and more so it's about scheme fit. Like a guy like Lincoln Thompson that they acquired in 2017 that they traded the fifth round pick for, he per PFF is a top five player um, at, at his position at, at guard. Lincoln Thompson is a wonderful scheme fit for the, for this offense. That's why he's been so good. So people need to sometimes take a step back. This front office knows what they're doing. They know who they need. Sometimes it's people you might not you know know much about, or it's guys that this name that isn't very attractive to you. But there's people out there that will be a good for this team that they'll go get that they can get for a reasonable price. Some people weren't happy with with the Ward resigning because they're like, well, he doesn't get turnovers. Well, he he's a good fit for the for the scheme that they're running. You, you can tell the difference when he plays versus when he when he doesn't play. When when more inherits it back there and Ward's out, you can like defense the defense gets beat deep more often because. The communication and just the coverage on the back end isn't isn't as great because Ward is good, you know, is very good for this team. So people get caught up on the names and get caught up on looking at the box score too much and not looking at what they do for the team and how much of a scheme fit they are. I think that's what people need to get a little better. Um, I can get better at that too with with some players, but yeah, it's not always about the name. It's about you know how they fit the scheme and what they can do um, with the with the coaching staff and the team that they're on. So yeah, some of those guys that people think might might be, you know, need to bring back or some guys that they think the Niners need to go after in the offseason. Um, there's, there's very few that, that they really need to go get. Some guys will be okay on this team next year. There's some guys that under the radar that you might, they might sign that you think, hey, what's the point of signing that guy? He's not going to be, he's not going to do much for us. And he, and then on the, on the team next year, he sees a, you know, he does his job well. And he's a good, he makes a good impact for the team. So just from that standpoint, um, yeah, free agency won't be that bad. I mean, the people look at the number. And it's like, oh, 40 for agents. That's a really a lot of players. Like you guys said, turnover is, you know, is big in the NFL. It's the biggest in any league because of how many players are on the rosters. It's, you know, 53 on the final roster, not to mention the practice squad players. So you're up to like 60 plus players on one roster. It's a lot of players. So a lot of players aren't going to, and, you know, cost effective, you know, contracts is doing the best for the cap situation. Some players won't be back. Um, you know, nothing you can really do about it. But that's this, you know, that's, that's the business. That, that's the business of the NFL. That's how it goes. And it could be some, you know, some very – another another one that I guess is getting some some talk is the D Ford thing. Because of how much money they paid D Ford and cutting him, they'll have to do a June 1st cut. To kind Feels of great, out, baby. <laughs> to kind of spread out the, the dead cap money. Uh, I think it will be, what, like $14 million to cut him before June 1st um, for 2021 in dead cap. So they have to. Hopefully, he doesn't retire, so they don't have to pay all that dead cap in one year. 
Um, I mean, what do you guys think they should? I mean, I'm, I'm sure Javi, you're going to say, you know, just the June 1st cut them so that they can spread that cap out um, over two years. But what do you guys think is this the right thing to do with D Ford? Um, I, I mean, I think the right thing to do with D Ford was what I thought when we first got him. You could, you needed to control his snaps in the in in game on, on game day, and control his snaps in practice. You know, I had spoken to a couple people that said this is a Sunday player only because of his injury history. Meaning, yeah, you could do the walkthroughs, my practices, but nothing more um, because of his back, um, which was bother- which had bothered him all the way through Auburn, um, even as a Kansas City Chief. Um, the year that he had his breakout year, that's how the Kansas City Chiefs managed him. You know, he they, he he had like a Thursday walkthrough, lift his weights throughout the week, get treatment, and then come to play on Sundays. Niners, on the other hand, decided to run him all the way through practice. You know, he got hurt in training camp. He got banged up throughout the season. Um, unfortunately, some guys just don't have the bodies that can last in the NFL. And D Ford, when he's healthy, he's an elite pass rusher. Like he's one of the best to do it. You know, he's a strip sack. Guy, you know, I mean, I don't know how many fumbles he had in 2018, whatever it was. Um, but you know, I, I think I think that the the ultimate the the ultimate thing with D Ford is they'll likely cut him. Um, you can't trade you can't trade the guy. The contract is ridiculous. Um, restructuring it, I'm pretty sure they regret that. Um, you know, some of these some of these contract decisions are they go back to, in my personal opinion, they go back to the misfires in the draft. You miss on Solomon Thomas, now you got to go overpay for D Ford. You miss on uh, Ruben Foster. Now you got to go overpay for Quan Alexander, and then you're restructuring both of those contracts. And you just see, you saw what they had to do with Quan. You had to get rid of that contract, and they traded it away. So now you have to deal with this D Ford thing. Um, our, my guy Vish had mentioned, you know, just these misses on these early draft picks are coming back to bite them. Dante Pettis specifically, you know, you trade up to go get that pick. Those trades that those those pieces that you traded up for, you know, that compounds on a team, and you're missing out on players. So now you have to go back to the draft to go pick a deep Bo Samuel. Then you got to trade up again to go get a Brandon Ayuk. So, you know, that's what I think. He, I think he had, I think he had calculated out. He was like six or seven picks went into three wide receivers and that's not good. And you only got right. two out of it. You know what I mean? When you could have, you could have used those picks on a, on a guard, on a center, you know, where you needed to, to fix your roster. And, um, you know these D Ford the, the the misses start off with Solomon Thomas. It compounds you adding the D Ford thing on top of it. Now you got to cut that contract, and now you have dead money. Now you got to go find another edge rusher. It just keeps pounding and pounding on top of each other. They got to get it right. And I think D Ford will be cut. Long answer, sorry. <laughs> no, you know he makes he make, Hobby makes a really good point too about D Ford. Um, I could totally understand him being cut. My theory for this upcoming season is if he shows. Uh, progress with that, that, you know, it was a back injury I heard initially, and then it went up to his neck. He was having neck issues. Um, I know that can be very, you know, that's that's lifelong, life-altering stuff. You know, it's not yeah. anything to be taken lightly. So I appreciate, I think what they ultimately decided was it wasn't safe to bring him back this year. But I also, you know, as much as I'd like to think the 49ers only do things out of the best interest of players, that's also a commodity for them. That's an investment they made. Just like Hobby said, they restructured. They had an out for his deal. Just like you know, everybody talks about Jimmy's out and his deal this year. They had the same out on, um, uh, or sorry, on D's deal. It wasn't the same mm-hmm. amount of money, but they had the same flexibility where they could have cut him. It would have been very, it would have been something people probably wouldn't even notice on the cap number. Um, but they decided to go all in this year, and it's something as a fan I can respect. They had, they thought they had a Super Bowl worthy team. They decided to go all in. You know, it's very easy to get upset when a team doesn't pull resources and doesn't put resources into the team. 
So I respect their ability to do so, but Javi's right. They, there's no way that anybody sitting in that front office feeling good about that restructure. So my ultimate thing is that if he is healthy enough to occasionally contribute, keep him off the practice field. If he's able to stay in game suit, if he's able to work out on his own and not get hurt, that's cool. Keep him off on the side. You know, they have these side fields. They have these guys running, doing drills on their own. Keep him doing that. And then in game use, I think they have enough depth and they've proven that they can get enough out of these marginal DNs like a Ronald Blair, like a Kerry Hyder that are good players. Not great, but they're good players that you don't really need D Ford in there. I personally would only be willing to run D Ford out there if it's like third and seven, third and eight or more. If it's if it's a clear passing down and it's obvious that the other team is likely going to pass the ball, throw him out there. Let him speed rush. Let him go out there and do his thing. He doesn't need to be out there on base downs. He doesn't need to be out there when their other teams running the football. I know last year he had a very limited uh, snap share compared to the other DNs. I'd cut that in half. I would literally only throw him out there on third and long when the other team's going to throw because it's it's at this point it's it's an investment. Like I would rather have him out there occasionally getting, you know, six or seven sacks a year, getting a key, you know, fumble, something like that, rather than cutting him because I believe the dead cap is 14 and his cap hit if he plays is 20. If him being out there and him contributing a little bit is that $6 million difference, I would prefer that. But if they see a path where freeing up that um, $6 million gets them some other help, gets them something down the road, helps with Fred, maybe Fred Warner. I don't think Fred Warner will be extended till the summer. Maybe that money helps extend Fred uh, Warner. I'd totally be for it. Uh, I think that Javi made a good point about um, kind of double. It's like gambling when you're uh, – that's the whole sunk cost fallacy. They kind of they missed on some stuff, and instead of cutting their losses, they doubled down, and they were trying to you know make up for picks that they missed on. And I think that their biggest flaw is that they've seemed to take this approach where I don't know who's doing their physicals or their evaluations, but I even as you know an outside observer who's nowhere you know near the level of access as somebody that's in the medical staff, I knew D Ford had problems. I knew he had knee tendonitis. I knew he only had one healthy season in Kansas City. It was a great season when he played but he only had one in five years before he came. And they decided to throw a bunch of money at him and didn't really, you know, they they had the outs built in initially, but they also this past year looked at a guy who was injury prone, who couldn't really play last year. Yeah, it was a hamstring. Yeah, it was stuff that you could say is fluky, but they did the same thing with Quan. Quan had injury issues when he was in Tampa Bay before he came here. And they threw a bunch of money at Quan, which, you know, when he was on the field, it was great. He was tremendous for them. Having him and Warner on the field at the same time allowed them to do a lot of things in coverage that they normally wouldn't be allowed. And everybody focuses on his missed tackles and stuff. He was excellent defending the pass, but he also was super injury prone. And I hope he's healed up now. You know, I know he's dealing with the ACL injury, suffered as a saint. Um, but, it's again, it's not the player's fault for taking money. It's the 49ers' fault for looking at a guy that they know is injured and repeatedly making the same mistake over and over again. Weston Richburg was the same thing. Weston Richburg had an injury history on the Giants before they gave him a bunch of money. What happened? Like, it's like it, you, you can't fault the players for taking money from a team, but you can kind of start pointing the finger at the front, 49ers front office and being like, what do you got? Like, why? Like, I know football is a brutal sport. You can get injured on any play, but when there's a long history of it and you've done this over and over again, it's not a coincidence. It's a pattern. And that's what's most troubling to me. I think that builds on to Hobby's point that Vish, that Vish said as well with um, the fact that they missed so many draft picks. They, had, they were in a spot where they had to take some risks to, to address positions that they couldn't address in the draft. So obviously, you know, the reason those guys were available um, for the price point that they got them for, although they overpaid for Ford maybe because of his injury history, was because they missed on those draft picks, like you said, Hoppy. And then, so they had to go get a guy like, you know, Alex, Alexander, even though he was injury prone. Had to get a guy like Risberg, even though he was injury prone. Had to get a guy 
like D Ford, even though he's injury prone, because they needed to address it somehow. And those were the guys that were, that were available. So, yeah, I want to throw that in there. Um, Hobby's point kind of also plays into what uh, Jordan just said. Real quick, too, I just wanted to say I, I would love to hear yours and Hobby's takes, too. Like, my whole thing with D Ford was the reason why Kansas City traded D Ford was because they didn't want to pay him. They, they knew they had a commodity that would garner some interest, just like Hobby said. He's one of the better speed rushers in the league, and he's very good at what he does. But they knew that he wasn't durable. They knew that he wasn't, you know, this guy that they could count on. And they traded him to the 49ers, and the 49ers could have gave him – they could have tagged him for a single season. He could have played last year, and they could have gone, you know, hey, when he was on the field, he made a difference. He also missed a bunch of time. He missed a bunch of games. And because of some of their mistakes with prior cap work, I believe that the reason why that wasn't really an option was because they did, they wouldn't have had the room to have him on a deal as an, as an edge rusher on a tag. But they did the same thing with Jimmy a couple years ago. He played five good games. They could have tagged him. They could have had him play for a single year on an addition. And I, believe me, I'm totally pro player. I'm totally for these guys getting money. I, it, you know, like what happened to Dak this year makes me sick because Dak mm-hmm. deserved to get extended before he got hurt. But ultimately, that's me as a person. I have no vested interest in this. If I'm paid to make business decisions as a front office, I'm using the franchise tag on guys like that, and I'm making them prove that they can stay durable and they deserve a long-term deal. The 49ers are handing out money to guys that haven't really – I don't want to say they haven't deserved it because their performance certainly dictates that they are worthy of being paid that. But if you're not durable, what the hell does your skill set matter? If you're not on the field using it, then it becomes a problem. And I think that it's one thing when the John and Kyle took over – I think people don't understand how bad, like, the 49ers' reputation was around the league coming off of Tom Sula, coming off of Chip Kelly, bulky for all those years. They didn't really have the credibility to tag guys. Like, that's something that, you know, players are human beings too, and you want to be an attractive destination for players to come to. But when you start winning, players are going to be more inclined to want to come. They'll, hey, I'll come prove it for a year. I'll come play for your team. I will come play for Kyle Shanahan. I'll play for Robert Sala. So I think going forward, that's something I really hope that they do start utilizing that franchise tag a bit more. I know teams don't like doing it, but the 49ers use it on the kicker. They use it on a kicker, but they're not going to use it on a guy at a premier position. And the kicker ends up winning the holdout, too. Like, there's this, there's, you know, I could go on with a lot of their mistakes, but the 49ers front office deserves a lot of blame that they don't get because they did do such a good job building a roster in such a short amount of time. And we know that they built it from essentially nothing. But they've also made a lot of mistakes that they kind of, for whatever reason, people seem to give them passes for. And I think you can point to a lot of those mistakes as a reason why they're facing such a tough decision with guys like Jimmy, with guys like Ford, where, they're, you know, they're stuck in this. I don't say it's cap hell because there's a lot of teams that are way worse off, but they've made a lot of mistakes that, for whatever reason, seem to get swept under the rug. The point part of that is, is because they were new at their positions. Like Kyle and John were both rookies at their positions when they got hired. So they're still kind of learning on the job. So I think that's where some of those mistakes may have came from. And sometimes we see those kind of situations end up leading them to get fired. But because Kyle has success, um, that didn't end up happening. So uh, I think I think they got a chance to learn from those mistakes. I think they've done better uh, each and every draft, each and every offseason, um, addressing positions and all that stuff. And, you know, and uh, working out the money and stuff like that. I think this year, obviously, they're going to need to have a good offseason to make sure they're set up for the future. Um, well, I think they, I think they will have a good offseason. But yeah, I think I think they're because they were new at their position. They were they're really and they they got rid of so many guys and they brought in so many of their own people and they had to build that roster basically from scratch. There were a lot of mistakes, obviously. But I think now that they, now that they have the foundation, have they have the foundation set. I think it's a lot easier for them to kind of figure out what they need, who they need to go get. I think those mistakes um, 
Hopefully they put it behind them. Hopefully they've learned from them. Hopefully they're a lot better going into this offseason, which I think they will be. Yeah. And, um, and they'll do a better job filling out the, the roster spots and not having these mistakes. We're having, we're having to pay a lot of guys who are not on the field. I mean, I don't know how much money um, Ritzberg, Garoppolo, and Ford – you know, are making combined, but that's that's a lot of money to not have on the field. Um, like $55 million. Yeah, that's a lot of money to not have on the field for basically the entire season. So Yeah, you know, and um, real quick, I, I think I think we're seeing the evolution of Kyle Shanahan as a player evaluator, scout, talent evaluator. You know, he at first, his first two years, he's looking for guys to solely beat man coverage. How do they work inside of a telephone booth, right? Trent Taylor was right. very shifty. Dante Pettis was very shifty. Even Kendrick Bourne had his moments where he could, you know, get in and out of his breaks really easily, beat some man coverage. Um, Pierre Garçon was similar to that. Marquise Gooden has some of those type of um, traits. But now he's like, you know what? I need tough guys. I need guys who can do pretty much anything and everything. That's why you go get a Debo Samuel. You go get a Brandon Ayuk. You're looking at a Jawan, Jawan Jennings, um, Jalen Hurd. Like, he's looking for a physical type of team because he's seeing the rest of his division have physical wide receivers. For, you know, Robert Woods, you know, people, he might be one of the most underrated wide receivers in football. He's very, very physical uh, before the catch, after the catch, in his route running. You know, you want to have that kind of mentality inside your own division. And I think Kyle's learning from those mistakes. I think this team is learning from their mistakes every time they, they do something. They're like, okay, this didn't work. Let's have this, cut our losses on that, and figure that out. I think they won't go and make a weird signing again, like let's go pay a guy who's had an injury history and a team like Andy Reid just wants to give him away. Like you got to second guess those type of things. They they were happy to give D Ford away and go get Frank Clark. Frank Clark was the better player, anyways, in my opinion. Um, but for Andy Reid, just to kind of like, hey, take the second, we'll take a second round pick after a guy had like eighteen and a half sacks. It's unheard of, and he was willing to do it. Yeah, it's a big flag for me. It's a big red flag. So Kyle and John just need to learn on the fly, and that's what they've been doing. Right, and I think that will lead into you know the biggest question marks is of what they would do. We've we've been discussing it all season already, um, pretty much since week one. I know uh, Javi, you and Matt on the Fourth and Gold podcast kind of started that by you know saying you were not happy with Grapple's performance on against the Cardinals week one. There were a lot of missed opportunities out there, a lot of um, the same uh, mistakes we saw from him the previous two years, and then that kind of sparked. Um, and each week, you know, it, it it got more and more intense. And now the entire fan base, and now people like Steve Young and a lot of other, um, you know, major personalities in, in the sports world are saying the Niners are probably going to move on or they probably should move on and are, you know, they're mocking us to take, you know, almost every quarterback in the draft. So, yeah, have Kyle and John learned their mistake enough to go and fix this quarterback position? And I know, Javi, you've been a big advocate saying that, Gra- that Shanahan knows how to evaluate quarterbacks and people who say you can't develop one. He hasn't really had a chance to. The one quarterback him and his dad did, did develop was Kirk Cousins, who was a fourth-round pick and has been in the league since they drafted him and starts for the Minnesota Vikings. And, he's still, mm-hmm. and Jordan, you believe he's the top mm-hmm. quarterback this year. So I think that's that kind of – past two years. So that kind of speaks to, you know, that's how – what – go ahead, Hoffman. No, I was going to say, you know, it's people are, you know, they say he hasn't had, he hasn't developed a quarterback. Well, of course he hasn't been able to develop a quarterback. Well, name the last wide receiver coach responsible for developing a quarterback. Matt Schaub was his quarterback in Houston before he became an OC. He was a wide receiver coach. That's not his responsibility to develop a quarterback. And when Shanahan got more involved in the offense, Schaub had one of his better seasons of his entire career. Coincidence? I don't think so. 
You go to Washington, you go draft RG3 against his will and against his dad's will. They still made it work. It's rookie of the year. They won 10 games. You never saw that type of production after that. They 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 like Kirk Cousins, and I'm looking at his value in the draft. He was selected as a fourth rounder. You've gotten 10 years out of this guy. He's consistently 3,800 yards, double-digit touchdowns. Maybe he might have a bad year where he has a 10 or 12 interception year. He doesn't have some of the clutch genes that you might want to see in the guy, but I think for where he was taken in the draft, that is an absolute hit. Disregard the name. Like, that's the problem with a lot of fans. The name is attached, and you're like, oh, no, he must be bad. No, just I was that way. I was that way. Like, now you got to really deep it, dig in and be like, okay, maybe this guy is better than I originally thought. So do some extra homework. Um, in Atlanta, he wasn't going to dra- He wasn't going to draft another quarterback. Matt Ryan was already there. Like what? What are we talking about? He gets to New- he gets to San Francisco. We all we all know the plan was to get Kirk Cousins. Like we need to stop denying that. The plan was to get Kirk Cousins. C.J. Beathard was supposed to be a guy that he was like a project. He's a third round pick. He's going to be a backup. That was the plan. Like you can't sit there. And, oh, he hasn't developed. Sometimes I've been saying it on my show. I've been saying it on everywhere I go. Sometimes guys are just maxed out. They are who they are. You can only get what you can get out of them. And I think Kyle Shanahan maximizes his quarterbacks as much as possible. We saw that from Jimmy Garoppolo, C.J. Beathard, Nick Mullins. And you don't get very much out of C.J. or Nick, but you've gotten quite a bit out of out of Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, in Washington, I think Kyle was only there for three games that Kirk actually got to play. So right. you don't really know what what his what his what his uh, development was. I think that's more so McVay with with Kirk Cousins. But the the fact that they identified the right guy. In that draft, that, that speaks volumes. And then when he was in, in Cleveland, he was against getting Manziel. He wanted Derek Carr, and he wanted Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, those were his two guys. Like, those are the guys he wanted, right? He got it right. If, that, if, that, if that's true, then he evaluated the, the right two guys. Say what you want about Derek Carr. He's a pretty good quarterback. He's just stuck with a bad coach again. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to back up. Jim. I, I love Kyle. I'm, Kyle better be here for 10 years. <laughs> Yeah, he better be. I, I don't want this to become what happened with Bill Belichick with the Browns, where, you know, he's a coach with a lot of potential, but a couple of, you know, things don't go his way, a couple of wrong decisions leads to his, his firing, and then he goes to the, the Patriots, and we all know how that how that ends. He's now looked at as maybe the greatest coach ever. So, yeah, I don't want – I feel like Kyle has – I mean, Kyle can probably win this team multiple titles if as long as he – as long as they stick, keep him around and allow him to, to get this team where he wants it to get. So yeah, hopefully I don't, we don't see the, the Belichick situation with Shanahan. I think he's going to be one of the greatest coaches um, to, you know, to coach this sport. And, okay, so here, here's the last thing we'll discuss. I know it's everyone's favorite topic, talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. I know we know what Kyle Shanahan said um, and John Lynch said this week. They both said, well, Kyle said, I believe Jimmy will be here. Um, John said also said that Jimmy is our quarterback. But he's the only quarterback, you know, under contract for the next two years. So that, my point is, like, what else are they supposed to say about a guy that's under contract for the next two years? I mean, he's the only quarterback on the roster, you know, as of right now for 2021. So what else are you supposed to say? Yeah, no, I, we, you know, we're done with Jimmy. We're going to move on. And then if you say that, you diminish any trade value he might have in the offseason. And then you also ruin your culture because you're, you're you know, you're ousting a guy who is on your team and under contract for the next two years and you're not behind him. So it's a bad look for for the team, for the culture. So their comments, people, you know, yell at me every time I say it, it means nothing, but it means nothing. It's just code speak. It's what they're supposed to say to the media. I know Kyle and John said more than they had to say because it said, you know, Jimmy's our guy and left it at that. 
Um, but the, the, you know, they and, and Kyle made a point saying that he's a winner and I can, I can win with him. He's a starter in this league and his contract isn't that expensive, you know, and that's stuff we kind of already knew. Um, these kind of same things that we can already see for ourselves by looking at the numbers and looking at, you know, the contract details and all that stuff. But all that being said, I mean, Kyle said the options are open. I mean, before this season, coming off a Super Bowl year, you know, they evaluated Tom Brady in the offseason. Like, what does that tell you? Are you supposed to be evaluating quarterbacks when your team has come off a Super Bowl run if you trust the guy you have already? I don't think so. That was them trying to, trying to see if they can upgrade. And obviously, they chose not to. They believe Jimmy could get better, and they believe Jimmy would be the better value in the long run. Um, obviously, it hasn't worked out as planned. We'll see what they do uh, this offseason. But people just – I think they read the situation wrong. They, they, they read the comments, and they assume that they mean everything they say. That's not the case. They've said numerous things that they don't mean. I mean, Jordan, you put the picture out there when Kyle said what he said. When uh, Cliff Kingsbury was in Arizona, he said, Josh Rosen is our guy. And then, you know, what, a week later, they're drafting Colin Murray, and Josh Rosen is gone. So what coaches say the media doesn't mean anything. I mean, you have to – and Eric Crocker said this. He said you have to look at how they react. The fact that he took the ball, that the, you know how they how they treat their quarterbacks, and not how what they say about them, is the fact that he took the ball out of his hands when he threw a pick to Eric Kendricks in the Vikings game, and then it almost threw him another one. He took the ball out of his hands and they said, "Okay, Tevin Coleman, you're hot in the run game. Take us, you know, take us home." And then in the Packer game, they never needed a grapple in that game because Mostert was going crazy. So they're like, "All right, we're just going to go ahead and, and let Mostert take us to the Super Bowl." And that's what they did. And then when they needed him to, to execute a couple of plays, there were nu- numerous opportunities in that Super Bowl for him to, to end that game against the Chiefs. Um, there were numerous times when George Kittle was open um, where he, the pass either batted down or he just missed the read. And even before the Sanders throw, you know, there were times where he could put the game away. And they were, unable, they were unable to, and they lost the game. And that's what ultimately led to them even looking at Tom Brady in the offseason. So, yeah, this team believes they can, they can, they can upgrade. I'm sure a lot of us believe that they will upgrade, but, you know, in, in case they don't, in case, you know, uh, like you said on your most recent episode with you and um, Javi and Matt on the fourth and gold, um, in case Stafford stays in Detroit, in case, you know, Kirk stays in Minnesota, well, will stay in Minnesota, obviously, because of his contract, in case Darnold stays with the Jets and they can't trade up, you know, or they don't want to give up that many assets to get a guy like Zach Wilson, which I think they should, um, or maybe, maybe they can't get Lance or anybody like that. And Garoppolo is still here. In that situation, who is the quarterback that you guys would want this team to go after if it's not one of the top four uh, QB prospects? Um, I mean, well, first, you know, we, we, I, I think part of me thinks Jimmy Garoppolo will be back, and I think it's all going to be. I think it's just all, all. It's all based on timing. Um, timing of free agency, timing of the draft, timing of contracts being, you know, paid out. Um, but if, if, if they are to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo and they can't get one of the top four, I, there's no one out on the, on the open market that I would want anyways. You know what I mean? I'd rather just roll it back. Like I said, Jimmy's a guy you can probably win nine, ten games with. You might not win in the Super Bowl with him. Um, you know, cause last year's team was just, last year's team was special and you don't see a lot of special every season out of, out of teams. So, um, you know, you, you kind of, kind of ride with Jimmy on that one. Um, but I, I say I have to believe that they are going to pursue every avenue possible to upgrade the quarterback position, um, whether that be in the draft, whether that be in uh, in free agency or trade via Matthew Stafford or maybe Sam Darnold's available. Um, 
but I, I think I think if you know for your listeners, I think everyone should really take a look at the QB Collective and take a look at who Kyle Shanahan has been tied to at his own QB school, um, and take a look at what he's doing with quarterbacks that are coming up in this this draft, the coming draft, and the one after that. There's some guys that people really should take a look at. Um, I as much as I hate to say it, I kind of might be with Jordan here. I don't I don't think I would mind Mitch Trubisky, and it's just like. Because I went, I went back and watched, and it's like, okay, he can execute what Kyle asks, and that's kind of what Jimmy Garoppolo is doing. He's executing. He he doesn't do it. He doesn't do it all the time, but he can execute what Kyle would ask him to do in this offense. Um, and he gives you the mobility aspect of it because Mitch, I, for all the for all the flaws Mitch has, Mitch can move quite a bit, so that would help out this 49ers offense. So I think Mitch might be the guy. Uh, if that was something that were available, but I don't think he's leaving Chicago either. So, um, Adam Schefter said something yesterday. <coughs> excuse me, that he expects a lot of cute quarterback movement this offseason, a lot, and he emphasized the word a lot. So, um, and he said it on KNBR, and he specifically mentioned the word Jimmy Garoppolo. So, we will see how this all plays out. But if I'm a get, if I'm a betting man, I might, I might just bet that Jimmy is back next year. Jordan, what you got? Yeah, so my whole thing is that if Jimmy comes back next year, I think Javi has a good point. Like, um, my my biggest concern with him coming back is that um, I would temper my expectations greatly for the team. Um, I definitely think that they can win. I think that Javi made a very good point. They can win nine, ten games, but they're not going to win the division. They're not going to go on a Super Bowl run, in my opinion. And, yeah, hey, who would love to be wrong more than me? Like, nobody. Like, I would love to be wrong about that. I can't see it happening. And I think a really good thing, you know, last year, Javi was right. The team was special. They were so good defensively. They were such a well-rounded team. And the Seahawks came within an inch of winning the division. Putting, You know, the Niners could have won on the playoffs and maybe gone to the Super Bowl. I don't think it would have been as easy. I certainly have my doubts. And the main thing you can point to as to why Seattle was still had a fighting chance at that point was the quarterback play of Russell Wilson. And the fact that they do have somebody who is that good, that the 49ers are going to have to play twice a year. They're going to have to play Kyler Murray, who is pretty good twice a year. Goff is just, you know, I don't know what to he's, – he's so up and down, it's so hard to predict where he's going to be at. But my biggest thing is that the 49ers are at a point where they're kind of just stagnant if they keep Jimmy. Like, if they keep Jimmy barring some crazy – trade or some sort of, you know, acquisition or, if you know, God forbid, I'm not hoping for this, but if there was some, you know, horrible injury to another NFC West team or something like that, I can't comfortably pick them to pick the division. If everybody's healthy, Seattle, to me, is still the team to beat, especially now that they're finally realizing all these years later that, hey, maybe we should let Russell Wilson throw the ball a bit more. Maybe we shouldn't just run the ball 35 times a game and stubbornly to a fault not let one of the best quarterbacks in the league throw. So... I'm at the point where I, I agree with Javi. If you can't get a better quarterback, you might as well keep Jimmy, uh, unless maybe, you know, Kyle looks at somebody like a Trubisky. Like, you know, I, I joke about Mitch all the time, but if you go and you watch the film, yeah, he misses he misses open reads sometimes. He airmails passes. He'll underthrow balls. But that's literally – I see the same thing from the 49ers' current quarterback. And the difference for me is that Mitch would not only cost substantially less, he can also escape – pressure he can escape a pass rush he can get out of the pocket he's not crazy athletic he can scramble for a first down you know 
if they're sitting there in a critical situation, it's third and six, third and seven or something, no receivers are open, I think Mitch Trubisky can scramble for a first down. He can get you a key first down. Jimmy has proven at this point after that ACL he can't do that. And that's why for me, like, I wouldn't have an issue. If it really came down to Jimmy or Mitch and they picked Jimmy, am I going to be that upset? No, of course not. One guy has been in the system. He's familiar with the team. He's familiar with the players. The thing that stands out the most to me is that people hear these comments from John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, and people need to understand that NFL there's no positive to be gained from tipping your hand at what you're thinking about doing. But what Kyle Shanahan did is actually kind of, you know, it's simple, but it's kind of genius on another level too. He positioned himself where if the team upgrades and they end up getting somebody who is a clear upgrade to them, then they can always fall back on the fact that, hey, I said that I said that if we could upgrade, we could. This is a team team building thing. If you can make the team better, you do it. If they don't have that, he can always fall back on his comments. Jimmy wins a lot. He does this and that. He does that a lot. When he's on the field, we win. And blah, blah, you know, to me, it's all bullshit. It's all fluff. But because he said it, he's positioned himself. Basically, he's sitting on the fence is the analogy I like to use. And he can fall on either side and always claim that that was what he wanted to do. Excuse me. So for me, that's a huge, um, that's a huge, you know, indicator that he hasn't really decided. The biggest one for me too was when they asked, uh, when they followed up with the question, and they were like, "So you're saying Jimmy's a quarterback next year?" And he's like, "Guys, we can't say anything with certainty." Like, do you think people are asking Pete Carroll, hey, is Russell Wilson your quarterback next year? Is Patrick Mahomes your quarterback? And they're like, guys, you know, he's good. He wins a lot, but I can't say anything. Of course they're not saying that. So I think Kyle's made it very clear. If you find somebody that he thinks can look good and win, he'll do it. And if he can't, then he probably won't. And I act, you know, I know a lot of people don't take Grant Cohen very seriously. I do. I think that he has a lot of very good takes. Maybe he, ha- he may not have some that everybody agrees with, but one that he has is really good to me. Yeah, exactly. And he had one recently that was really good that I like where he said that he he thinks Kyle would be hesitant to move off of Jimmy unless he really, truly feels who he's getting would be an improvement or would just, you know, stay on the field or whatever. Because if he moves off, if he keeps Jimmy and they don't win next year, it's easier for the fan base to be like, huh, you know what, maybe this guy isn't all that good. Maybe it really, you know, it, it maybe he is holding this offense back. But hypothetically, if they did get somebody like a Trubisky or a Mariota or, you know, they draft a rookie and they start him and they don't look good, then all of a sudden the fan base starts to, you know, point the finger. And I, I really don't think that Kyle had, like cares really that much what the fans think. He's got long-term security on that deal. But the organization as a whole is the one that cuts checks. They're the ones that approve these moves. As much as Kyle may want to, you know, trade the farm for a rookie – He's not doing that unless Jed and the higher the powers that be sign off on it, and that's where I think there's some disconnect. If Kyle if Kyle was writing checks and he was the one signing them, I don't think it would matter at all. But there's a level of business again that you have to look at. Just we can critique the football performance on the field. I guess I, I live in Santa Clara. I'm close by to the stadium. I remember for a few years here when they first opened Levi's, that place was half empty. There was barely anybody there. There weren't people at tailgates. People really didn't, you know, outside of us, you know, everybody who's passionate fans that are watching, a lot of people couldn't really give a shit about the 49ers. And they've done a really good job the last couple of years kind of cultivating a team that's elite, you know, and that is a better team. And a lot of that was built on the, we have a franchise guy. Here's the savior. Here's this guy. And it's, there's still that narrative that can be spun that, hey, we just, you know, we had a down year. 
we have this genius coach, we have this QB that wins, we just need to get healthy and come back. But if you roll out another guy and then you start to suck, then maybe start to, you know, again, this isn't my opinion whatsoever. I know how good Kyle Shanahan is, but to the casual fan, to the people that are the majority of, you know, the um, financial, the financial majority that's giving the, putting money in the 49ers pockets, that's right. when they start to question, hey, maybe this head coach that's had four losing seasons in five years isn't as good as everybody's making him out to be because they're not taking the time to watch tape. They're not taking the time to understand the context. So I do think that there is a level of, you know, as much as I don't think Jimmy's that good and I think he's just kind of an average quarterback, he's gotten the job done to an extent that it would be very hard to justify moving off from him if you don't have immediate success. So, again, it, it's it's ultimately going to come down to the timing thing. I think Hobby nailed it with that. If somebody becomes available, if Detroit Detroit's rebuilding, like I don't care what people say. People say, why would Detroit give up Matt Stafford? It's not about them. It's about the fact that this player's been there for 10 years. He kind of had – I've heard rumblings that there, there's equity, enough equity in the organization that if he said, hey, I want to go, I've paid my dues here, they would let him go. That seems, I've seen multiple people report that out of Detroit have been saying that. So I could see a scenario where if it's middle of February and these reports come out that Matthew Stafford doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild and he wants to move on, the Lions would be foolish to turn down a first-round pick for a guy Absolutely. who's over the age of 30. They would be foolish, especially in the middle of a rebuild, so if that happens, totally see the 49ers doing it. But if they, you know, muddle around and they take way too long to make a decision and they're kind of wishy-washy and this date comes up where, it's, you know, we're getting to March and we're getting to that date where uh, Garoppolo's salary becomes guaranteed, I can see the 49ers being like, you know what, as much as I'd like the cap flexibility, I don't want to have to deal with another season of having below-average QB play. We know Jimmy can be average. He has moments where he's not average, where he's below average, and it pisses me off. And I don't think I need to get into that because people know it. But yeah. you take Jimmy Garoppolo and his play over C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins. And there's a lot That's of other right. options out there, but they're right. unknown. So I think Tavi nailed it. I don't want to just keep going on, but it's it's ultimately a timing thing. And that's why we're really not going to know for probably at least 10 weeks, maybe yeah. three months, probably, probably around that time frame. But just nothing that he said lately has any indicator going one way or the other. It's all fluff. It's all, you know, it's just positioning so that whatever direction they end up going, he can be like, I always said he was the guy, or I always said we could upgrade. It's it's genius. Like, he, he's a smart guy. Kyle, like, we know Kyle's smart on the field. He's getting much better dealing with the media because that, there's that whole narrative that the 49ers don't have leaks and Kyle Shanahan doesn't tell lies. Like, yeah, he does. And, yes, there are. Like, you guys need to understand that these people have no benefit from telling you what they're thinking or tipping their hand to you. Like, if you're sitting at a poker table – is the guy across from you going to show you his cards? Like, of course yeah. not. Like, it's just, I just hope people realize that. Like, nothing nothing that was said has any value for me whatsoever. Sorry, I don't mean to keep ranting. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, Jordan. It's like, um, I, I want this front office to lie. Please lie. Lie more. Like, don't yeah. tip your hands. Like, the fuck? Like, sorry, sorry. But, yeah, like, don't, don't, don't tell the truth. Like, I don't need to, I don't need to know the truth, you know? I can read between the lines when you say certain things. I'm pretty good at that. You know, you can see what he's doing here, and we saw what he's doing. We know what he's doing. Um, you know, there's just – I understand the attachment of Jimmy Garoppolo. It's been a long time since we had good quarterback play. I get it. I do. You know, you know, we watched C.J. Beathard. We watched Nick Mullins. We watched Brian Hoyer. Uh, we watched the worst years of Kaepernick, which were terrible, and it wasn't all his fault. Uh, we saw Alex Smith bad years. We saw good Alex Smith. Um, you know the the gap between Jeff Garcia and Alex Smith, like those all those guys there. So then the fan base is thirsting for better quarterback play. We have a 
it's it, Jimmy Garoppolo can be average. But the problem is he's so inconsistent to where it's like you have an elite game like the Saints game, and you have elite moments like he hits that third and sixteen twice with pressure all over him, you know. But then you have the dumb Jimmy throw in Arizona where he almost costs you the game. You know what I mean? Like those are the type of shit that you you got to get cleaned up. Um, it's gonna be an interesting off season. This is this is gonna be this is the make or break off season for the Kyle Shanahan. Era, I know he has an extension, but if he doesn't get this quarterback thing right, he's got two years. He has to get it right, and right now, he has yep. to. That's what I believe, too. I said it before. People thought I was crazy for saying that. But, yeah, if, if Kyle gets this wrong at quarterback, yeah, like you said, a year or two later, he could be gone. And it doesn't matter how much, you know, how many years left, how much money they sell, he'll be gone. People have, you know, Jets got money. The York family's got money. They don't mind paying to – you know, him off just to get somebody in that I think might be better. So, yeah, last thing I'll say before we get out of here, um, yeah, I'm okay with Jimmy coming back if they think, you know, if, if they think it's the right thing to do is to hold on to him for, for another year, um, I'm fine with it because they do get – he does give them the best chance to win other quarterbacks on the roster. Um, if they want to bring him, you know, bring him back to, to I guess, you know, keep, keep the team competitive for next year and not to worry about um, any kind of – Fluctuation in pay in uh, in play with quarterbacks I'm not familiar with. Um, I guess last thing I'll say is yeah, Mac Jones, the guy I'd be okay with if they brought in. I think he's the most Shanahan based based on his past preferences. Um, he's the most Shanahan esque quarterback in the draft. He's he's accurate thrower. Um, he stands in the pocket and make tough throws. He can read pressure pretty well. He has good pocket presence. Um, he reads the field pretty well. He can make all the throws. He wouldn't he would he would be the boring pick. Um, of all the guys you can go get, and some people may think it's like this, is, this like another Garoppolo, which if Garoppolo could you know throw the ball, the deep ball well, and um, had a little bit more, a little more mobility, I think people would be okay with that, and we wouldn't be talking about replacing them. But if they wanted to get go get Mac Jones, that's a guy I'd be okay with. If they, if they can't get one of the top four guys, but they still want to get a rookie in um, to develop and be competition, you know, against Garoppolo, I'd be okay with Mac Jones. I don't know how, how you guys feel on Mac Jones, but. From what I've seen uh, from him, I, I think he's you know the most Shanahan, Shanahan-esque quarterback in the draft um, based on his past preferences, and I wouldn't be I wouldn't be upset if they if that's what they drafted. Um, for me, Mac Jones is QB six. Um, I have Desmond Ritter at five as the fifth guy. I think Desmond has a lot of tools that the the Niners or Kyle would like to work with. Um, as far as preference goes with Kyle, I think he's changed his preference. There's no way. The last four years, he's watched Kyler Murray. He played yeah. Carson Wentz. He's played all these guys who can move around a little bit, and he's going to go in there and say, look, I want another Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins, guys who don't move well. Um, I think Mac moves a little bit better than those two guys, especially considering where Matt Ryan is in his career. Same thing with Kirk Cousins. And that's another part of the, the conversation that fans need to kind of figure out, you know, what Matt Ryan was 10 years ago versus what he is now. Like, he's lost some of that mobility. He still has – now it is in, in his in his peak. It's more about his mental side. The physical traits are only going to degenerate as you get older in the NFL, and not get better usually. Um, but Mac Mac's a guy that I like. I think I think he's very accurate downfield. I think he's very decisive with the ball. Um, I wish there was a little bit more mobility from him, but that's not that's just not his game. Um, so I mean, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be against it. It wouldn't it wouldn't excite me. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but I would be. I wouldn't be upset about it. I think you'd be definitely upgrading over your backups that you have now. And if you kept Jimmy and you took a Mac Jones, yeah. 
that's kind of what that's kind of what we need to do too. You kind of need to back. You need to improve your backup quarterback situation. But like somebody said to me the other day, like if you're worried about your backup quarterback situation, you're probably worried about your quarterback one. And that's the fact you're having that discussion means you don't have the guy in the building. Yeah, Jordan. One last thing for you, and then we'll get out of here. Real quick for me, I'm totally with Javi, and my biggest thing is this is it all. It's context is so important. But if the 49ers decide that, you know, some, let's say Stafford, I know this name gets floated out, becomes available. One of these veteran guys becomes available, or they have a chance in the draft. Somebody else moves up from the mid-teens, you know, 13 to 18 in that range. They move up, and they take a Zach Wilson. They take a Trey Lance. They do that, and the 49ers stand pat, and they decide ultimately, you know what, Jimmy's our guy. We're riding with him. Next year, that blame falls on Kyle. To me, it's not on Jimmy. I love Kyle, but he's not exempt from fault. Jimmy has proven who he is at this point. He's proven he can't stay on the field consistently, and he's shown that his ceiling is probably where it's at right now. And if Kyle decides to stick with him again, as much as his play will upset me, and I'd be happy to point out what I don't like about his play if he struggles, that's not on him. It's unfair to expect him to change at 30 years old when he's been in the league. It'll be his uh, eighth season, I believe, next year. or Yeah, eighth season next year. Yeah. And people always bring up, oh, he hasn't started, he hasn't done this and that. There's plenty of guys coming into this league that have had less than five starts, less than six starts that come in that look like a better quarterback because just like the word that Javi used that's so important is tools, and you don't improve your tools. You can improve mentally. You can go through your progressions a bit better. You can understand coverage better. Yeah, you can improve all that stuff. There's this fallacy out there that I've seen so often that people just assume that at 30 years old, this guy is just going to get better at throwing the deep ball and he's going to get more mobile after an ACL tear and after multiple ankle injuries. and it's just unfair to him to expect that to happen. So if they do come back with him, it's Kyle's decision. You're going to see all these people that are going, you know, oh, see, clearly Jimmy's the winner, clearly this and that. That doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that Kyle made a conscious decision to stick mm-hmm. with what he clearly has seen hasn't worked. And then that's where, like I said, I'm not going to, you know, completely throw the guy under the bus, but that's where I'm going to start having judgment, you know, questions about his questions about his judgment because I think the reason why there hasn't been any chatter about QB play is the same reason you don't hear QB change is the same reason you don't hear any chatter about QB change for the Rams because the Rams have no recourse. What are they going to do? They can't cut Derek Goff. They're stuck with that contract. If the 49ers were straddled with Jimmy's contract, you wouldn't hear these rumblings about a QB move, and they had been. There was guaranteed money the last three seasons of the deal, and that's why I don't think it's a coincidence that you're seeing people like Chris Sims talking about Shanahan being able to excel with a rookie, and Shanahan would be able to succeed having a guy come in and run that system that he himself said is easy on quarterbacks. And that's another, you know, I know we're wrapping up, but that's another thing. Kyle Shanahan's system isn't that complicated for guys that are getting paid to understand the system and pay, like play the sport of football. For a regular person like me, yeah, maybe I look at his playbook and I feel lost, but it's really not that difficult. And that whole take that you can't have a guy come in because his playbook is so complicated. Like my biggest thing is what's Jimmy doing that a rookie can't do? Is he under, is he checking into runs more often? Is he looking at a box and he's checking, calling, checking out a pass plays into run? Like that's really not something that would prevent me from making a change ultimately. So I just hope that they find a guy. I, I keep coming back to this word that Javi used and it's so perfect tools. Get me a guy that can extend plays. That's going to put pressure on a defense. Cause as we saw last year, the 49ers defense was so damn good. But when those guys bought a couple extra seconds by moving the pocket and extending the play, it doesn't matter how good your defense is. It doesn't matter. You can't cover guys in the NFL for that long. So if they yep. find a guy who has the tools to extend plays, throw the ball downfield, keep def- defenses honest, 
all be really happy. The one caveat, caveat I would add is maybe there's a guy, I'm not as well versed with the 2022 class, but maybe there's somebody that Kyle looked at that he's like, you know, man, if I could just stick with Jimmy for one more year, they do have the same out next season. Maybe there's somebody in 2022 that he would feel more comfortable moving up for, but it's it's really about tools at this point, and I just don't think that Jimmy has elite tools, and I think that Kyle, with a guy who has elite tools, we saw Andy Reid. Andy Reid's been one of the best offensive minds. I still think he's the, the best play caller in the league. I think he's the best offensive mind. Kyle's right behind him. It's a 1A, 1B situation. But Andy got dragged for a long time, and then he finally got a guy who had tools. The Chiefs are this unstoppable team that people are – defensive coordinators are up at night ripping their hair out trying to figure out how to stop. So I just pray that the 49ers get to a point where we get Kyle Shanahan, not Patrick Mahomes. There's only one Patrick Mahomes. But you get him a guy with elite tools like that that can help him expand his playbook and really let him operate at the level that he's op- that he's capable of. Man, the 49ers are going to be fun to watch for a long time. So that's just my hope. Get a guy with tools and get a guy that Kyle likes that he's, he feels comfortable working with. Yeah, the, the 2022 QB class, I think it's Rattler and Howell. Those are the only two that come to mind right now. And neither one of them excite me. Maybe Rattler, but he, he looks like a – I don't know. He's tall, dude. He, it's his yeah. size concern, too. He has yeah, a great arm. But, but yeah, I, I think – I think I said, um, like I've been saying on Twitter, if you're if you're interested in this quarterback discussion with the Niners, just take a look at the QB collective and see who the who Kyle Shanahan's attached to. Make sure you take a look at that. That's just you know people will say Javier, where's your sources? I don't. I have plenty, but I also know a few things about this QB collective and the Kyle Shanahan and his group of, you know, his his brain trust. This is what they do. They develop quarterbacks for high school and, and college, and then eventually those guys get to the league, and you'll see a couple of those guys in the league next year. And years to come. All right. <laughs> all right. That's all from us. Uh, before you guys, you know, get out of here, go ahead and, uh, you know, put your socials out there and put out what you guys are working on. Um, well, yeah. I mean, uh, everyone knows me. I'm Javi. The Fourth and Gold yeah. Podcast. Check us out. I have Fourth and Gold Podcast on Twitter. Uh, we have a joint venture going with Jordan and a bunch of other folks. We're working on a website, 49ers Goldmine, looking to bring more objective takes, kind of stay in the middle on everything, not too far left or right on hating on players or overhyping players, kind of keeping it honest, clean discussion all the way through about this team and the future of this team. From a fan perspective, none of, no one's an expert here. We want to make sure we're giving it, you know, straight up and, and objective as best possible going forward. Um, and that'll be coming to you guys probably February 1st. I'm really working hard to get this website up. And Jordan and the rest of the team are starting to get things lined up and ready to go. Um, but as, as far as Twitter, you can find me on Twitter at Javier Vague underscore. You'll see my Zach Wilson love daily on there. Um, and uh, a couple good jokes here and there. But uh, thanks, Kobe, for having me on. Appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for coming. Go ahead, Jordan. Yeah, you know, obviously I'm doing pretty good. Uh, you can find, you know, my ads here on the screen. It's at Splash, at splash Cousin. After, splash underscore Cousin. Sorry for anybody who's listening that didn't see um, really stoked about the 49er gold mine. Um, I think that it's a tremendous group of people I'm thrilled to be working with. Uh, I will be doing some stuff that's more centered around statistics and uh, analytics um, and analyzing data, numbers, and stuff like that. Uh, I will be peppering in a lot of film with that as well. It's not just going to be, you know, numbers. It's, I'm looking for something that's more of a balance of watching tape and then understanding why the numbers look the way they do. Uh, but that's something that, for me, I'm very excited about. So if you guys haven't followed uh, 49ers gold mine, uh, it's just at 49ers Goldmine. Um, Javi, Matt, and uh, everybody else on the team is cooking up some really good stuff, and I'm thrilled about it. All right, that's going to be all from us. Uh, season finale this season. This is the last time 
Niners will play for the next seven months. So even if we don't win, enjoy it. It's the last time we've seen him for a while. Then we get the offseason where we get to talk about quarterback for four straight months. So that'll be fun. All right. Uh, I've been Kobe. This has been Jordan and Javi. Thank you guys for listening. We will catch you guys. Well, I will catch you guys in the next one. See ya. Go Niners. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. WinBet Sportsbook again? Yeah, man. Want to get in on these bets with me? Okay, fine. Just sign up. Yes. See? WinBet. Told you. Sign up at winbet.com today using promo code BLUEWIRE to get up to $1,000 toward a risk-free sports bet. That's W-Y-N-N-BET and promo code BLUEWIRE. Offer subject to change terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700.